The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7. The ticket and the ticketfm.com. We're back here on the block and waste no time getting to our VIP line brought to you by Aloe Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. We welcome in voice of the Royals, Jake Eisenberg. I do have to apologize, Jake. I bothered you on your honeymoon. First of all, congratulations on, on your <laughs> wedding. Uh, thank you for being gracious enough to respond. I hope your, your wife wasn't too mad at, uh, you taking some time on your phone to tell me to bugger off. Oh, no. You don't need to apologize whatsoever, Austin. It's always good to talk to you. Always good to hear from you. Glad to join you today. Uh, no, so we uh, we got married a, about a month ago. Then we went on our honeymoon in Argentina, and we're driving around uh, Mendoza City. It was our final stop. And uh, I had had my phone on airplane mode just because, like, what what in the world did I need to be paying attention to that day? And we got, <laughs> we got back in the car. We were headed back to our hotel after we had done – uh, some wine tasting, which was great. And so, you know, already feeling pretty good because they're generous with their pores down there on the tasting side. And all of a sudden, I turn my phone back on, and it just starts blowing up with all these texts and Twitter notifications. And I'm thinking, okay, either somebody got traded, somebody got signed, or they extended Bobby. And it turned out to be the Bobby Wood Jr. extension. So uh, immediately, that was that was a pretty exciting day. And uh, Jen, thankfully, uh, didn't protest too much to give me a couple hours or so to – digest that information and then celebrate with everybody and congratulate Bobby and, and the Royals organization. That was, that was a fun couple hours. Hey, that's how you know you picked the right one, right? She's understanding. Yeah. We, we appreciate her for that. And Hey, it seems like the Royals picked the right one as well. Let's jump off on that, that Bobby Witt junior contract extension franchise record. I mean, more than double the, the, you know, previous two contracts to Salvador Perez and Alex Gordon combined from a from fan's perspective, from the outside, we see why the power, the speed, the smile, the joy, the work ethic, it all makes sense from the outside, from the inside, from your perspective, what was it that made Bobby Witt Jr. deserving of this franchise record contract? Well, I think that's the beautiful thing, Austin, is that Bobby Witt Jr. is the same person on the inside that everybody sees on the outside. It is all of the talent on the field. It is all of the joy and class off the field. And I think we talk about, you know, celebrities or superstars a lot. And when people get the chance to meet them, they're like, oh man, that person's exactly the same in person as they are on the screen or uh, in whatever it is they do. And that's the exact same way with Bobby. And it's one of the reasons why he is not only deserving of this kind of contract extension from a financial standpoint, because of the kind of baseball star he is, but why he's deserving of the weight that's being put on his shoulders and the mantle that's being placed of being the face and heartbeat of this franchise for the next decade plus. You look at the jump he made even from his rookie year to his sophomore year, right? He went 20-30 his first year, almost went 30-50 the next year, right? He has the power. He has the speed. What's the, what's the ceiling? Is the sky the limit for this guy? What's the next area of progression for Bobby Witt Jr. this year? You know, so I was, I was talking to some of the guys on LB Network Radio literally yesterday morning, and Steve Phillips asked me 
what the ceiling was for Bobby Witt Jr. And I demurred, and I'm going to demur again and say, like, why put a ceiling on this guy? Mm. I've talked to Michael Massey about this before, and he said something before opening day last year that stuck with me. Uh, I asked him what he expected opening day to feel like, and he was like, I stopped setting expectations because then you set a limit on something, and you can't necessarily then surpass that limit if you reach it. That's paraphrasing a little bit. But I think it's the same thing with Bobby Witt Jr. I mean, let's talk about 40-40 for starters. Like, that's absolutely in play. But, heck, why not 50-50? I mean, who knows where Bobby's baseball career will take him. But he did something last year that was nearly unprecedented. Before last season, a 30-45 season had only been done twice in baseball history. It was Eric Davis in 1989 and Barry Bonds uh, at some point in the 90s. I'm forgetting the exact year. But then Ronald Acuna Jr. did it. And Bobby Wood Jr. both went 30-45, and obviously Acuna went a little bit more than that. But Bobby's going to be 24 in June. There's no reason to think that he's really scratching the surface, which is kind of terrifying and exciting all at once. It was great news for Royals fans a couple weeks ago. I'm glad you brought up Michael Massey. Because there are, you know, 25 other players on the roster, the 40-man roster as well. What a fun, you know, middle infield combination. We saw the diving plays, the flips, even for just single outs, not just double plays multiple times last year. Michael Massey scuffled in April, but from really May on, Michael Massey seemed like the player that Royals brass expected him to be. What do you see 2024 like for him? Well, I think defensively there's a really high floor for Michael Massey. I mean, this is a guy who won a minor league gold glove. That's arguably harder to do than winning a major league gold glove because in the minors you're literally competing against every other player from every other team, whereas in the big league there's fewer players and fewer guys that you're competing against because it's AL and NL. So the defensive floor is really high. And I think offense takes a little bit more time. I think we saw Michael Massey last year have a huge rut at the beginning of the season. He was hitting the ball hard and not getting any results. And then he kind of was trying to dig himself out of the hole and ultimately might have dug himself a larger hole. But you look at the numbers that Michael Massey put up and you compare them to the expected numbers, his ex-woba, his ex-slug, his ex-batting average, and the difference between the expected statistics and the actual statistics were among the largest for any player in baseball in terms of like Michael Massey's actual statistics were significantly lower than what they should have been based on his contact rates and hard hit percentage and all of those things. I think the only guy that had, or one of the only guys that had a larger difference in ex-Wobo was Aaron Judge. I mean, this is the kind of category that Michael Massey is in, not necessarily that the actual number is going to be as high as Aaron Judge, just that there was a lot untapped there. And I think we saw toward the back half of the season, his numbers start to improve a little bit more toward the mean, if you will. So I think, you know, a good start will go a long way. We'll round out the infield with the corners. Michael Garcia hit leadoff uh, once he got settled into that role. Again, maybe improve a little bit of the underlying launch angle. The numbers are pretty good. And then coming back, Vinny Pasquantino off of shoulder surgery. What are your expectations for the Royals at the corners? I mean, that's the, that Vinny Pasquantino is the big X factor. I mean, the Royals had him in April and May, but I mean, he might not say this, but I will. I think that injury really hampered him, especially over the final two and a half to three weeks that he played before he wound up going on the injured list and ultimately having season-ending surgery. If you kind of look at his game log and look at the numbers, there's a clear you know, cliff there where the production just kind of dropped off, and I think it hampered him a lot more than he would admit. And that's okay. Um, but I think a fully healthy Vinny Pasquantino, and he's admitted that he's fully healthy in a way that he kind of hasn't been over the last couple of years, dating back to when he first injured that shoulder in August or September of 2022. I think a fully healthy Vinny Pasquantino, a Vinny Pasquantino that not at 100%, 
was already putting up a WRC plus of 121. Put mm. that right in the middle of the lineup with Bobby and Salvi, and you're looking at a much deeper and more dangerous lineup. I'm glad you bring Salvi up, Jake. Uh, there have been reports out there that if the trade deadline day were a couple hours longer, Salvador Perez would have been on the move. It seems like that torch is starting to be passed in terms of leadership and clubhouse guy from Salvador Perez to Bobby Witt Jr. But behind the plate, there was a revelation last year. Salvi was Salvi. We know what he brings to the table. But Freddie Fermin, I don't know if this is the best comp, but felt kind of Whit Merrifield-esque. Older guy, finally gets a shot at the majors, breaks out. I think Kansas City's in a really good spot at the catching position. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I'll start with Freddie because he is genuinely someone like I've been in Omaha for I was in Omaha for a couple of years with Freddie when he made his triple A debut. I've now known him for a few years, just like these other guys. Freddie is genuinely one of my favorite people. Forget baseball players, forget catchers. He is a joy to be around. And that is clear that everybody else in the clubhouse feels that way about Freddie as well. And that goes a long way. I mean, this is a guy who signed in 2015 and looked up to Salvador Perez as a fellow Venezuelan catcher, despite not being all that much younger than him, a guy who was a complete afterthought in the Dominican camps and had to kind of get a, a lottery ticket almost, and the Royals took a chance on him, and they've reaped the benefits. I think Freddie Fermin is as capable a backup catcher as they come. We'll see how much he actually catches. I think that a lot of that depends on how much Salvi catches. I think we'll see Salvi mix in at first base. We'll see him DH. I think they're going to want to keep him fresh and healthy and maximize his back to the best of their ability. And Freddie showed last year, not only can he handle himself at the plate, but behind the plate defensively, his branding metrics and his arm were really, really good compared to the rest of the catchers in the league. Another guy that has some catching experience, the Royals moved out from behind the plate. Another guy I expect will factor in at DH and even in the outfield, MJ Melendez, a guy that I think from the outside has struggled to find his footing in the majors, Jake. But again, you look at some of the underlying numbers and the way he performed after the all-star break. It's way too early to give up on a guy that, you know, led the minor leagues in home runs at one point. I think, again, if I'm going to call my shot on one Royals player, I'm on the MJ Melendez breakout train. Okay, I guess I guess everyone listening, you heard it here first. Austin is on the MJ Melendez train. And look, I'll, I'll buy a ticket right along with you. What we saw in the second half of last season is exactly what we kind of hope to see from MJ Melendez. And I think one of the reasons why that maybe flew under the radar a little bit is because by the time we got to the second half of the season, it was kind of a too little, too late sort of situation where, yeah, MJ's numbers were a lot better, but the first half was really such a struggle that the overall numbers never looked entirely pretty. And you combine that with still learning how to play the outfield and some defensive struggles as well. He's got a great arm, but there are some instinctual route running sorts of things that, you know, take some time to develop. And I think those things were developing in real time. Lest we forget, MJ Melendez played two games in the outfield in the minors before making his major league debut. That's it, just two. So he's really learning a brand new position on the fly at Kauffman Stadium, no less. And I think that deserves a little bit of grace. And I think, you know, having a little bit of grace for that can help you have a little bit more grace for a slow start at the plate as well. Don't get me wrong. MJ Melendez needs to produce, and the Royals need MJ Melendez to produce, but he certainly has the talent to do so and the belief in the organization to have the opportunities to show that he can. We're, we're talking with Jake Eisenberg, Eisenberg, voice of the Kansas City Royals. Let's flip it over to the pitching site here, Jake. The headliner last year, Cole Reagans, the way he developed after that trade from Texas was incredible. What do you see for him? And can Brady Singer bounce back to being kind of the co-ace alongside him? 
There is nothing that we saw from Cole Reagans in the second half of last season to suggest that that was a flash in the pan or any sort of fluke. He has the kind of stuff and the metal to be an ace of this staff, and I would not be surprised if that winds up being the case over the course of this season. The only question is going to be health and durability, as it is with literally any other pitcher. But a lefty throwing 99 with the kind of biting, breaking stuff that he has, man, am I excited to watch him take them out for a full season. As far as Brady Singer goes, he was talking the other day about, or or at Royals Rally, I should say, about how he was working on the sweeper and slider and mixing in some other pitches that have been slower to develop over the last couple of years. And I think with him fully healthy, he did finish the season on the injured list. Uh, I think that he's a bounce-back candidate, especially considering you add in Seth Lugo, you add in Michael Waka, Mm -hmm. you still have Jordan Lyles, who's as durable as they come, even if the results weren't there last year. You've taken a good amount of the pressure off of a guy like Brady Singer where he doesn't go, he doesn't need to go out and be the stopper and be the ace that the Royals needed him to be and kind of required him to be over the last couple of years. So I think you've spread that pressure around a little bit and you have a viable bounce back candidate. And on the subject of pitching, you know, I'll I'll say one other thing. This is a statistic that really just, you know, widened my eyes when I kind of looked at it last year. The Royals went 56 and 106. Uh, Not great. Um, of those 106 losses, 50 of them were blown lead losses. What that means, 50 games in which the Royals at one point had a lead and wound up losing that game. That is nearly half of the Royals' total losses last season. So why do blown lead losses happen? In large part, it's due to pitching because you have a lead and somebody gives it up, whether it's in the first inning or the sixth inning or the ninth inning. What did the Royals do this offseason? They went out and got some pitching. Lugo. Smith is back in the fold. Nick Anderson was traded for. We'll see Kyle Wright in 2025, so on and so forth. When you shore up that pitching and you create more depth, well, let's say you take that number of blown lead losses, Austin, and you cut it in half. And I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. Nothing is ever that simple. But if you take 50 blown lead losses and instead you turn 50 of those losses and you take 25 of them and turn them into wins, all of a sudden you've got a team that goes from winning 56 games to winning 81 games. I'll do the math for you. That's a 500 team with one simple fix of holding on to leads, which I think the Royals will be much more capable of this year, thanks to a higher floor of pitching talent and way more pitching depth. Thanks for doing the math. I I liked being a stats guy, but I would not consider myself a math guy. So I appreciate that you're able to do that on the fly. But I'm glad you bring up the pitching additions, especially in the bullpen because I think that fits the the Tampa model, right? Have a lot of guys that you can mix and match situationally, guys that you can depend on. And where did Matt Quatrero come from? Tampa. I think this bullpen better aligns with what Matt Quatrero knew in his previous stop. And I think he showed that he's got the tactical acumen to know how to deploy it, Jake. Yeah, I think, and this is where I'll be maybe a little bit blunt to a fault. Uh, I think that the Royals bullpen last year at certain times felt like throwing a dart at the wall and hoping it stuck mm-hmm. in terms of calling guys up from double A or triple A or kind of sinking or swimming for guys in their first or second season. And that's nothing against those guys whatsoever because there was a good amount of success that we saw in flashes from guys like Stephen Cruz and John McMillan and Austin Cox and so on and so forth. But I think what the Royals have done this year by bringing in Will Smith, by bringing in Chris Stratton, by bringing in Nick Anderson, 
uh, I think that you look at the Royals bullpen and instead of seeing service time numbers that are less than a year, you see service time that is above five years, above six years, seven years, nine years, 10 years. Will Smith has won three straight World Series uh, since making his debut with the Kansas City Royals. And so I think you have a level of experience and understanding in the bullpen that didn't necessarily exist last year, certainly in the second half of the season after Scott Barlow and Aroldis Chapman uh, were both traded away. So I think this is a much deeper group. And because you have a deeper group, you have the ability to mix and match and promote and demote and rotate a little bit more where there are going to be some guys that end up in Omaha to start the season that very well could contribute to a major league bullpen right now. I don't know who that's going to be or how that's going to look, but there are going to be guys in that storm chasers bullpen that are major league caliber. And that's a good problem to have. It absolutely is. And let me just say, if Will Smith makes it four of the last four, sign that guy to a lifetime contract. That'd be absolutely incredible. Um, On Mac Quattrero too, um, kind of tangentially down the line, the offseason content the Royals have put out have, has been fantastic. I've loved seeing the personalities of Vinny Pasquantino, Michael Massey, the new guys come through on camera. 106 losses, 56 wins. That could wear on a clubhouse. But Jake, I get the sense from social media, this is a clubhouse that enjoys being together and just plays for the love of the game and for each other. Is that accurate? Well, think about it this way. They all came up through the Royals organization together. I mean, Michael and Vinny, first off, what a bromance. Uh, but they were room- they were roommates together in Quad Cities, in High A. Same goes with Michael Garcia. Michael Garcia, Vinny Pasquantino, and Michael Massey were on the same Burlington Royals team in 2019. These guys, these guys have known each other. They have grown together. They are friends on and off the field. That's not something you see in every major league clubhouse. Don't get me wrong. Nobody was happy in that clubhouse or within the organization at how the record shook out last year i will say from the broadcast perspective or at least from my perspective when you take a look at the entire season and you see 56 and 106 that's not good but it wasn't as if we were going on the air every night or showing up at the ballpark every night feeling as though this was a 100 lost team i think that the first two months of the season april and may were completely different from the last two months of the season in terms of the vibe around the team also the personnel for starters i mean just a completely different makeup of players first half versus second half. And so, yes, the second half record was better than the first half and it wasn't all that much better, but it was better enough that it was, you know, significant and you can feel it. But I I compare the Royals record and feeling last year to a team like the White Sox that had Mm. some pretty high expectations and finished with a record uh, again, with more than a hundred losses, not so far away from where the Royals finished. We went there in mid September and there was a palpable misery at that ballpark at to what the season had unfolded. That was very different than the feeling, at least to me at Kauffman stadium, because at Kauffman stadium and with that Royals, because of the second half, you knew there was something on the horizon and you could feel there was a plan of action after the evaluation and the difficult evaluation that was 2023. You could see what the plan might be and what was coming. And JJ Piccolo and his staff have gone out executed a plan to bring in free agents the ownership has said from day one that they would invest in this team when they were you know prepared to do so and felt it was a good time to do so and they literally put their money where their mouths were by signing not just these free agents but then signing Bobby Wood Jr. to this massive extension Uh, there is a plan in place there is you know evidence to back that up and I think that's a reason for optimism uh, over anything else really 
Pitchers and catchers have reported. When's it, when is it the broadcaster's turn? <laughs> this this broadcaster reports on Tuesday, and considering it snowed this morning in Kansas City, this broadcaster could not be more excited for some Arizona sunshine. Excellent. Safe travels down to Surprise. Congratulations again on your wedding, Jake. Glad you had a, a good, good, enjoyable time on your honeymoon. You made it back safe. Hope to get, catch up with you again sometime during the season. Again, safe travels and best of luck on the call this year. Thank you so much, Austin. Appreciate all of your well wishes. Always, always a good time to to chat with you and, and talk Royals, and, and we'll do it again soon. Amen to that. That's Jake Eisenberg, voice of the Kansas City Royals, with us on our VIP line brought to you by Allo Fiber, where they understand the importance of exceptional service with local heart. We'll take a break. When we get back, I'll wrap things up here. Old School comes your way in just about 10 minutes from Parkway Lanes, part of the Junior Achievement Bowlathon. I'm on my way over there. Nick, Jake, Jay, and the crew are getting set up, ready to bring you Old School from Parkway Lanes, 48th and Normal at 4. One segment of On the Block to go. We'll bring it your way next.